What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Okay, so welcome to the Art Pays Me podcast. My guest today is Liz McDraws. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes I get that. Liz Mack. Liz Mack. Liz Mack is taken on every social media platform, so I had to come up with one that would stick. But unfortunately, now everybody thinks my name is Liz McDraws. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, I, it's Mac Michael, right? Yeah. Yeah, guys, everyone I see that I meet, I... I have a hard time not calling them by their Instagram handle. Yeah. It, it's very hard for me. <laughs> well, in my head, your art pays me. Like, it's even on your shirt right now. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I yes, that's happened yeah. to me a number of times. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, great to finally have you on the show. You are... Ooh, I think this is episode four now. Oh, exciting! Getting in early. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 real early. Um, yeah, and I saw you had made it uh, on the iTunes uh, New and Notable category. Yes. Congratulations! That's Thank really you. cool. Thank you. Um, so like I came across your work maybe a year ago or so, and you kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, because I always thought I had a handle on the local scene, and I was like, who's this work? Oh, who's this girl? Okay, I've never seen this person before. What's this about? And I've been following you ever since. And then I saw you had uh, something come up on, in Creative South. So I was like, oh, wow, she's, she's legit. Okay, so give us, let me know your story. What? Oh, shoot. Uh, where should I begin? <laughs> um, well, I've been freelancing. It'll be four years. Well, it just passed three years on November 1st. That's yeah. my freelance birthday. So this year will be four years. Um, before that, I was a pastry chef. I actually studied at the NSCC Acreley campus for Boulanger and Pastry Arts. So that was about 10 years ago. Wow. Following that, um, I was in retail eventually retail management. I was also a showgirl at the casino. Uh, I modeled for a long time. Still do occasionally, mostly just creative stuff. But uh, I was anything but an illustrator, but there was only one constant thing and that I was always drawing. Mm-hmm. The only thing was that at the time I didn't actually think that you could, no one had actually sat me down and said, hey, you could be an illustrator for a living. You could be an artist for money. It was just always ingrained to me that artists, well, we don't make money, but it wasn't a serious career choice, you know? <laughs> It was a thing that you did on the side. It was it was a hobby. It yeah. was just a fun thing that you did, drew nice pictures or whatever. Um, so as a result, I never really took it serious as a career. And actually, when I was in high school, I went to the NASCAD Portfolio Review Day, yeah. and they turned me away. They what? Yeah, I brought my portfolio in. I was I mean I was only 16, 17 at the time. I was I graduated young and brought my my little sketchbook in. And the guy took a look at it and he said, you know what, these watercolors here are really good, but I really think you should come back when you've better developed your skills. And I was so crushed by that that I never even considered going to NASCAD. I, I never went to art school. Mm. Uh, so that set me on the path that I did, going to community college and, you know, eventually I wound my way back to art. So it wasn't actually until, you know, maybe five or six years ago when I had a bad accident. I had 
um, a double meniscus tear in my right knee. Okay. Don't know how it happened. Woke up one morning with a sore leg. Nine days later, I was on an operating table with six weeks of recovery time ahead of me. Couldn't work, couldn't walk. Well, I could kind of walk, but not really. And uh, that's when I decided I would just start teaching myself to draw. Wow. So, like, let's step back a bit. So, with that NASCAD portfolio, what was your subject matter? Was that kind of along the lines of what you do today, or is it...? Yeah, it was still drawing. It was primarily drawing, sketching, painting. I had some watercolors in there. I had ink drawings. I had pencil drawings. I had a little bit of charcoal. But of, like, of what? Like, what kind of, like, landscapes, or...? No, I was, I was doing weird stuff. Okay. Um, I was your stereotypical art kid. Okay. Uh, and so I can remember for, for a long time when I was in high school, instead of actually taking notes in class, I would take notes in my sketchbook in the form of sketches and doodles. So wow. they would just be these collage pages of weird mishmash information with little associating sketches, and they're a little bit hard to decipher. So I brought those in yeah. as an example. Um, there was a lot of still life kind of stuff, you know, just things I was sitting and looking at in class, but doing them in like highlighter and doing them in fun colors or doing them with crosshatch. You know, I was never really trying to do anything photorealistic. So quite different than what it is I'm doing today. Maybe only similar in the fact that it's quite graphic, like Mm -hmm. it's a quite cartoony illustrative style. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, not at all like what I'm doing today. Okay. Like your, your storytelling is something it's it's incredible actually it's, thank it's, you it's very funny um and endearing i feel like a lot of them are autobiographical in in terms of the comics yeah yeah definitely okay. definitely yeah there's no secrets there and i think that's a big part of who i am as an artist is i want to be vulnerable and i don't i don't mind embarrassing myself uh being honest about how i create my work or how i live my life or what it is to be in, at least in my case, a freelance artist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to uh, like when you're in you're in the hospital or wherever you are recovering, and you're teaching yourself to draw. So how did that go? Um. Wow, big question. At that point, I was already starting to get a little bit into the creative scene here in Halifax. At the time when I had injured myself, I had actually sold everything that I owned, and I had moved to Toronto. So oh. I didn't have a bed yet to heal in. I had nothing. Didn't have an apartment, didn't have a job. I just spent all my savings on recovery. Uh, but going back to me being involved here, I've been involved a little bit with a local group called the E3C, the East okay, Coast Creative yeah. Collective. I eventually, when I came back to Halifax, went on to be one of their steering committee members for about five years. Um, but through E3C, I had met a whole bunch of creatives around. I, right before I left for Toronto, had done one year of creative writing at Dalhousie. And so I was starting to get set into that crowd. So when I went away to Toronto and then I got injured, I had a well of people I could talk to mm-hmm. back home who were creative. And when I was starting to teach myself how to draw, they were instrumental in because I didn't even I didn't know the jargon. I didn't know what to Google search. I had bought my first scanner. I had I had hooked myself up with uh, an old copy of Photoshop. But I, I honestly didn't know how layers worked. I didn't know the first thing. And I didn't even know that it was called a layer to right. know to Google the word uh, layer functions. And I didn't know how to do that. So it was just a lot of me going, how do, what's a, what's a layer mask? What's that? And like, I, 
and having very patient friends come along and sort of hold my hand through the first couple of steps and also being extremely encouraging. Yeah. You know, scanning my, my penciled artwork into my computer for the first time. I had no idea what DPI was. I didn't know I was supposed to do that stuff in 72 DPI or 300. Or how, I didn't know any of this. Didn't know where to start. So that's what it was. It was very uh, rocky mm. at the beginning, and I relied extremely heavily on people that I had met in the community. Um, wow. until I was able to get just enough of my own information through them to start teaching myself and doing my own research and asking my own questions and it sort of went out from there. Okay, that's, that's, that's inspiring actually because I hear a lot of people saying I don't know where to start and I always tell them, start. Yeah, <laughs> big time. It's going to be, it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing but you have to humble yourself to it and just... Yeah, you're gonna sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> at the very, very, very beginning, and all your stuff is gonna suck. But if you surround yourself with good people who've been in it for a little bit, or even if they haven't, even if they've just got like just a step ahead of you, mm -hmm. that's still better than nothing, right? Yeah. So I saw you did your um, a solo show uh, last year. Yeah, Dark Gallery in yeah. uh, Portland Street. And it's 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 really graphic compared to sort of your character. Mm -hmm. type stuff that one was very different um, so that show was called Read Me and it debuted last July Friday the 13th mm -hmm. that was my very first solo show and it was based on about 20, 20 years of journal entries close to that because something that I've always done was I always kept meticulous diary entries um, so it wasn't just like I went to school today it was the exact date the exact time so 4.05pm the weather, was it cloudy, was it sunny, was it snowy, the temperature, um, the exact location, so it wasn't just school, it was my grade 12 biology class, wow. this seat, da 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 And so I had learned of this concept at a conference I had been at, uh, oh gosh, I'm doing that thing where I blank on the name of something, How, it was called How Design Live yeah. down in Boston, which I had attended last year, called Data Humanizing, which is taking boring points of data and turning them into art, and so okay. I thought, I could farm all of the data and create my own visual representations of it and create art pieces out of that. Cool. So you could essentially read, in loose terms, my journal entries. Yes. And some of it's quite private, and it's there up on the wall to look at. <laughs> it was a cool experience, but yeah, not like anything else that I've done before, and I don't know if I'll do it again. Uh, okay, I've, I've been contemplating doing the gallery thing. I think I'm going to try. Yeah. Um, I don't have a story to tell at this moment. But well, you don't need one, though, right? You don't think so? No, okay. I really don't think that you need one. You just need a body of work. Oh, okay. Just, that's all. Just keep making. Yeah, just yeah. keep making. Um, I think people put a lot of stock into their first shows, especially. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know I did, but now having done one, I would definitely do a show again. I don't know if I would sweat it so much second oh, time. okay. Interesting. Mm. Good to know. Mm. All right. It should be a fluid body of work. It should be something that you're proud of, but I wouldn't worry too much about where it's coming from necessarily. Yeah. Because people are going to bring their own stories into it. Very true. Mm. So you did how? Have you done any other um, conferences? I've done a number of conferences. Like I've, I've attended a number of conferences. I've only ever spoken at one. Yeah. But I've also been to Creative South. Yes. Uh, which we mentioned before. I've been to Creative Stuff a couple of times, as well as uh, Weapons of Mass Creation in Cleveland. Oh, that one was that. actually my very first. 
and uh, how and collide. Okay. Which is a local one. It's more of a tech conference than a design conference, but we did that in conjunction with E3C. When I was helping run E3C, we had a portfolio review day through Collide. So with E3C, is that how you kind of found out about those conferences? Because Yes, actually it was. Ah, because okay. I was, uh, at the time that I was starting to go to conferences, I was part of the East Coast Creative Collective Steering Committee. So there was a few of us on this board guiding the monthly meetups. Mm -hmm. E3C, by the way, I should just mention, it's a monthly meetup of not just designers or illustrators, but artists. Okay. Um, we gear more heavily towards artists, or I keep saying we like I'm still on it, but E3C does steer towards designers and illustrators, but yeah. it is welcoming to writers, uh, web designers, coders, okay. whoever. Whoever is in a creative, whether they're professional or just starting or they're retired, it's just, a, it's just a matter of getting people out of their cubicles or out of their offices or out of their dens and coming out and meeting other artists. So we have these meetups, and at the time I was helping organize them. And I would be meeting with Alison Knott, who is the owner and spearheader of E3C. And she, at the time, uh, knew a lot more about these things. She's always been a... a you know, a great person for me to go to for feedback and things. And she had mentioned uh, weapons of mass creation. And uh, so that's how I got going to my first ever conference. So she wanted to go. I thought, that sounds really cool, weapons of mass creation. Mm -hmm. That sounds really awesome. And uh, looked into it. It was affordable. And she was going, so we could split a room. And we just decided we would go. Okay. And actually, it was going to that conference that made me realize I could actually do art for a living. I, before then, I had never been in the room of so many different designers before. I knew Allison. I had a couple other friends who were illustrators and animators, but, you know, you get into a room with 900 other people. Yeah. You suddenly realize, wow, this is a, this is a thing. And everybody's pumped and everybody's, everybody's thinking the way that you think and everybody's doing what you do. And, like, I wasn't fully into it yet. Uh, this was before I went freelance. It was it was a massive turnaround for me. That it was that weekend. I actually went home, came up with the name Liz Mac, and that's how I became Liz Mac. Was that weekend? Wow. Um, and then yeah, so that was August and November first was when I went freelance. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Allison. Uh, Allison Knott. Yeah. Draw strange. Yeah, draw strange or eraser header. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's amazing. She is. She is. Actually, I got to get her on here. Um, yeah, like I, I've. She is good people, Alice and I, and, and I have, we did a panel a couple years back at NASCAD, so yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah. yeah. She's one of my most favorite people. I encourage anybody locally, if you can get in touch with her, she's rad as hell. Yes, yes. So, what made you feel like you could go from attending to speaking at Creative Self? <laughs> Nothing, to be quite honest. Um, it was It was scary. I... I had it in my head when I was about 27, 28, that after I went to Creative South, or not Creative South, Webs and Mass Creation, mm -hmm. I saw these people speaking and I thought, I can do that. I do have performance in my blood, like my dad was, oh, yeah. was in Cutting Crew, and I grew up seeing my dad on stage and everything else. That was really fun, and I loved doing talent shows as a kid, and I've always been a talker. Okay. And I went to this conference and I thought I, could, I, wanted, I want to be that guy I want to be up there uh, and I had said it in my head that by 30 I want to have done my first talk and I didn't really I didn't go to Toastmasters I didn't do anything really to prep for it I was just thinking I'll go to some more conferences and yeah. you know kind of keep doing my thing keep 
putting myself in front of the right people and making friends or whatever, maybe I'll get that right connection. Maybe I'll just luck into it. And it worked. <laughs> so I, I went down, I crowdfunded to go to Creative South. I applied for, um, at Creative South, they had an event called Art Battle. Mm-hmm. Which is you do this? It's against eight people. We get an eight foot wide by four, or eight foot tall by eight four foot wide canvas and a marker in an hour, and they give you a, a topic and you draw for an okay. hour, and then somebody wins. So, I was just down there with the idea of getting in front of as many people as possible. So, if there was going to be a live art battle, I was going to be there. Mm. If, like there was a drink and draw, I was going to be there. If there was a party, I was going to be there. I was. I had set it in my head to wear. Not the same outfit the whole weekend, but the same general outfit. I was always wearing all white with a sparkly vest, so I was immediately identifiable. And um, I made such an impression on people, and people remembered me, that uh, the following October, one of the committee members approached and said, do you want to speak? And I was kind of like, what the <laughs> That worked. Um, and so I did, and I... Against my better judgment, I did say yes and had to come up with it. And I had not done so much as a school presentation, never spoken. Wow. I moderated a few panels and hosted a couple of things, but I never given a talk. Mm-hmm. And I did. And but okay, great. but you, you're, you're. I'm sure you had the retail experience, so that's you can you know how to sell. Yeah, and there was that. Yeah, you did the. Um, the showgirl thing, so... Not afraid to be in front of people. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, and another thing I'm picking up on was hustle. So, artists, listen to that. That, she said she was going to do whatever it took to get in front of people. And you did it. Like, so that's... Yeah. And that's another thing that made you stand up for me, is that visual brand thing. So, you, you have this aesthetic with your work. You have this aesthetic with you as a person. It just all seems to carry through really well. Is that something that you picked up from seeing your dad? Or is that just something you just naturally have? I mean, it's interesting that you say that because that's probably the number one thing that I struggle with on a day-to-day basis. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think I have any cohesive image as an artist whatsoever. Interesting. I feel like I am all over the place all the time, and I'm constantly trying to streamline myself. Like... I want to do all kinds of art all the time. I want to do comics. I want to do mid-century art. I want to do mm-hmm. posters. I want to do graphic novels. I want to do book covers. I want to do sci-fi. And so and I, so I'm constantly having to reel myself in, feeling like, you know, uh, there's an analogy I heard in another podcast once that, like, you can't sell ice cream one day and then sell tacos the next because people are going to come <laughs> looking for ice cream, right? Like, it just, just doesn't work. So I constantly feel at odds with that. However... By the same token, I do get a sense of style from my dad because my dad was like an 80s rock lord. And yes. I definitely pick up his leather jacket and big hair aesthetic. Super sweat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a very major way. Yeah, so fashion-wise, I think I definitely get that from him. I do make a lot of questionable choices. I'm looking down at my patent leather three-inch clog heels right now. Um, so yeah, a bit of a dichotomy. Was, it, was your dad, like, over-the-top, personality-wise? Um, quite quiet, okay. in person, extremely funny. He's okay. the kind of person who, you know, everybody would be sitting out at a bar, and he would just be off to the side not saying anything, but you would almost forget about him. Yeah. But then he would just come up with the smartest or funniest thing you've ever heard in your life. Okay. And then he would disappear again. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and he was always the one in all black with big hair and big sunglasses and, and big shoes. And 
you know, he, like, to me, dad clothes was, you know, if I think about what a dad looks like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a silk, emerald green, and turquoise, <laughs> paisley, buttoned down with a matador's vest with mirrors on it and yes, everything, yeah, yes. beetle boots and tight black jeans and, like, yeah, it's, that was dad. Yeah, my dad was a musician, too, so, mm-hmm. like, I never had the, the nerdy, geeky dad thing. My dad was always cooler than me, so... <laughs> You know what? I think my dad was also kind of cooler than me, too. <laughs> I think he'll always be cooler than me. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting how, how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, like, do you have any like grander ambitions with your art? Yeah. Um, kind of going back to what I was saying before, I want to do everything, which is the yeah. problem. I'm constantly trying to streamline myself. Uh, it's it's a big deal for me, so I, I really want to get more into public art. I would love to do okay. more murals. So I, I did a whole bunch of like sidewalk paintings about yeah. two years ago. So I was getting into larger scale stuff, and I had also done a mural in Riot Snack Bar before they had closed down. Um, so I really got into that. I also do want to get into book covers. I would love to bring back the old 70s sci-fi like high fantasy, crazy book covers. I actually have a collection at home of original Star Trek novelizations, but only with Spock on the cover. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm really into that kind of stuff. Very specific. Yeah. Um, I would also love to uh, release a book of my own illustrations. So I'm like, I have a huge collection at home of like art of. So mm-hmm. Alex Toth and Bruce Tim and Bob Peak and all these artists that I look up to, I collect these books of just their art and so okay. one that I would love to have one of my own one day that I can hold on to and say this is mine the problem with that being is I'm so inconsistent I feel like that I can't compile everything into one book it, it would be like eight pages of this book and eight pages of this book they, none, nothing would fit together mm. so I, I do have a lot of plans but I just gotta pick something <laughs> well if I could pay you a compliment so you say you're all over the place I see I still see a consistent strand, even though like maybe things are different. The way you tell those stories feels the same. I I I get that because I still get that sense of like the a comedic wink. Yeah. Um, I feel like a certain callback to like Art Deco or some kind of I don't know like a time before. Mm-hmm. I feel like a retro esque. I do. Will say I will. I do pull consistently from like a mid-century modern aesthetic so mm-hmm. early 60s uh-huh. late 50s kind of atomic look and that's something I'm aware of so thank you that's very good that somebody's seen that because I don't <laughs> yeah. I scroll through my own Instagram feed which is terrible and I just see a mess you know and I look at stuff like your stuff is so consistent it's always so bang on and like I love your apparel design and stuff I'm like yeah I wish I had that I wish I could just go through my feed and see like this awesome consistent push out of stuff but again on the same token I want to show people my craft work too which means that everything goes up on my Instagram and then I do what I just said I do I go back and I go oh no this is all over the place no but I'm I'm literally going through that struggle too Mm -hmm. uh because I'm trying to get more into painting, so... Oh, right on! Yeah, so, and that's... My painting aesthetic is way different than, like, my graphic aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But I want to put it all up. 
Yeah. And then I've got just so in the next little bit you may just see me throwing up random things because I just want to get back in the practice of drawing and just yeah. doing my original stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I empathize. Yes. I think it's a common struggle that people simply aren't talking about. Yeah. Especially behind this polished veneer of, of social media and everything where everybody looks like they're so pulled together and their yeah. work is so streamlined and so tight and it looks so good. And you forget that we're all just constantly putting stuff out, even mm -hmm. if we're not po posting it. Yes. Yeah. So are you one of those types? So I've noticed a lot, particularly in the sort of influencer creative group where they're starting to delete their posts like they'll delete everything on their Instagram except for like five things mm -hmm. just so that they can tell a specific story or show a certain aesthetic right Are, have you ever done that or felt yep. guilty of doing that um, I've never gone to that extreme okay I have gone back because I've had that Instagram account since it used to be called something else like it used to be a personal account mm. and so when I moved it over to just being Liz Mac draws and being art based and speaking based and travel based I did I went through right back to I think 2012 when yeah. I first got it and had to well, I didn't have to but I did deleted cleaned everything just wow. cleaned it right out yeah <laughs> and now sometimes I go back there trying to find something because you know but even back then I was still drawing it wasn't professional stuff and it wasn't I had no aspirations, but now I'm a little disappointed in myself for deleting some old sketches and things that are now just gone, lost forever. Yeah, yeah I, I get that temptation too, and then I'm like, for that very same reason, I'm the type of person that likes to look back at my failures and I'm like, ah, I came, I actually did grow, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes I do that on my Instagram now, where I do feel a little bit of guilt about that, I'll rehash an old drawing. Oh, yeah. So I'll go back to something old that still exists and uh, I'll redraw it and I'll post it again with a side by side. Yeah. So it's like, see, yeah. I've Got actually to. done something. Got yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. Um, so if you could give advice to anyone who's like, I want to be an illustrator, what would you say? Gosh. That is the biggest and most common question, and I still haven't fully decided how I want to answer that. But, yeah, I feel like I've given a few different answers to that over time. The one that's calling to me right now is something I touched on earlier, which is just about getting yourself in front of people. Okay. As artists, and especially, I find, as illustrators, we tend to be a bit more introverted, working by yourself, or feeling like, oh, there's so many good artists out there on Instagram, and on Facebook, and online in general, I can't put my work out there, or I can't go to this conference, I'm blah, 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 I'm not yeah, good yeah. enough, yada, yada, yada. Screw it. <laughs> do it anyway. Um, the fact that you're willing to do that and put your work out there or go to these conferences or meet these people or do this podcast or whatever is already a step ahead of a hundred thousand other people. Yeah. So do it, right? Put yourself in front of people. Don't be afraid to get a little embarrassed because the people that you're getting embarrassed of aren't up there doing what you're doing. Yeah. And that makes all the difference. Uh-huh. Okay. I like it. 
Mm. Um, Another question. Yeah. So you've been in the States, Creative South and all these other conferences. I find, so I'm from Bermuda originally. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And I find when I go home, people complain that because they're from there, certain things are limiting the success. Mm-hmm. People here say that certain things are limiting their success. Right. Do you find that same conversation is happening when you're traveling and doing conferences and th- stuff like that? Or do people even talk about that? Uh, do you mean people from the States, within the States, say, complaining about yeah. being within the States? Or, or saying, say for instance, they're from like a smaller town. and Yeah, you get that. Okay. I know I have absolutely heard Canadians gripe about being in Canada and the state of Canadian media and how they feel like they can't succeed in Canada. I've never heard that so broadly in the States. I've never heard a designer or an illustrator saying, oh, geez, I'm in... America, I can't succeed as an illustrator. I have heard people say, I'm in, I don't know, uh, somewhere in North Dakota. Yeah, yeah. Feeling like, oh, I'm small town farm girl mm-hmm. with, you know, limited internet access and I've milked cows my whole life and yeah. I, what I really want is to work for Disney. Right. You do get that, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So there is... Hmm... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to pull that back. I, there's a part of me that's like, okay, we have the internet, so those barriers are broken. But then at the same time, you got to make relationships with people when you were at these conferences yeah. that allowed you to get certain other opportunities. So there's something to be said for being adjacent to other creatives. Actually, yeah, actually being seen and actually speaking to other creatives. Yeah. Yeah. And being a little bit, you know, never being rude or impolite, but being a little more in your face about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a designer you really want to speak to and they don't look busy and you're at a conference and they're just hanging at the bar, just go, hey man, I really love your stuff. Go talk to them, just yeah. like that. Just, that's it. And unless they're a supreme butthole, they're probably <laughs> going to be into it. And you'll have a nice chat and maybe they'll remember you. And yeah. Then... You can follow each other, and then the internet thing kicks in where maybe you can throw work each other's way, and who knows after that. Love it. I, I feel so much imposter syndrome, but I'm with you on that 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that never goes away. Okay. That never, ever, ever. I mean, I haven't even been in the game that long, but I've spoken to designers who have been in the game for like 25 years, and, yeah. they've just, and I've said the same thing. Like, I... You know, I'm at this conference last year speaking, and I was like, I should be here. I'm the only one here who does not have a big portfolio. Like, I don't, I, what is going on? They were like, nah, man, it doesn't go. It stays. That's, that's always going to be there, so be used to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, Liz, is, there's, is there anything else you'd uh, want to leave my people with other than what you said? Um... I don't know, man. I just think if you want to be an artist, just do it. There was, there's a lot of barriers, and I think I should go back and, and touch on that as well. Like going, I just want, yeah, I just want to clarify a point. Talking about people who are in the states feeling, you know, limited by their oh, yeah. location and, and that kind of thing, and getting to those places in person, those things. There's obviously still economic barriers yes. and social barriers and things like that that are in the way. You know, not everybody is as outgoing, not everybody is as financially stable, not everybody, you know, 
I'm lucky. I'm single, no kids, never married, no house, no car. Yeah. I've made a lot of sacrifices in my life to be able to just up and go to a conference. Right. Um, so I don't want to go ahead and not acknowledge that. But if you have the means, if you can find a way to compromise and get yourself in front of people, I think that is the biggest step mm-hmm. more than anything else. Even if you're not naturally talented, ta- talent is kind of BS as far as I'm concerned. Style yeah. is kind of BS as far as I'm concerned. It's the dedication and the drive to just say I, anything I can do to get myself in front of these people, to do the work, to go to the conference, to do the podcast, to mm-hmm. do whatever. That gets you so much farther than anything else. 100%. Uh, I, oh, I'm going to add to that because there was another person who saw a show that I did last year and she told me she's working on her style before she can actually start putting her work out. No, 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 don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who you are, lady, but don't do that. Yeah. Because you'll never put it out there. You will never never put it out there. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I've heard that uh, expressed before and I've had the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me too, like, when I first started doing Art Pays Me, it was Be Glitterati, and I felt like, first, I, before I started, I thought I could do better than what I see other people doing. Then I started actually doing it, and I was like, oh, this is trash. I can't put it out. Is <laughs> <laughs> that always the way? Yeah. And, yeah. And then I was like, okay, this is harder than I thought. And I started putting it out, and then got some positive reaction. And then I started to realize, like, right style is is so subjective what's good is so subjective there are people who hate it there are people who are gonna love it and you just gotta do what you gotta do if you feel like you need to put something out put it out because that's what we as artists and creators and designers and illustrators and all of that do yep okay so how do you work out um, time in terms of like how you're gonna charge for portraits and things like that So, like, charging for commissions and and that kind of thing for freelancing. Uh, I mean, this is something that we need to be talking more about. Um, I find, especially in the Halifax scene as well, where I find people, especially new artists, are undercharging. What I do, and I'll be very honest about this, is I charge, depends on the project. If it's a larger project, say, like a mural or a logo design or something like that, I charge by the day. Okay. And that day, even still, this is actually fairly below the the industry standard, but I'll charge $500 for a day. And that assumes an eight hour work day, including transit, breaks, and um, research time. Okay. So research time is just like developing a concept, Googling, meetings, that kind of stuff. So I'll work out just based on my own work experience, how many days am I going to spend doing this? If it's a mural and it's going to be five days painting, it's... Five times five. That's what they got to pay. Cool. That kind of thing. If it's a smaller project, say like a pet portrait or something, I've worked out, and this takes a little bit of of practice because you need to know roughly how quickly you can work and things, but I charge approximately $50, $60 an hour. Okay. So if I know a portrait's going to take me an hour, it's 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's basically it. And when it comes down to it, like... That kind of thing, again, takes time. You need to figure out how long it takes you to make something. Like You're not going to charge $50 an hour if you're really new and you know that an, uh, a, a simple portrait is going to take you eight hours because your market's not going to support that, right? Right. So there is, that's why there's a lot of like, eh, how much is it? Yeah. Because you as the artist know, like, this is going to take me a long time, potentially. 
longer than someone who's more seasoned. Mm-hmm. And I should charge, but it's going to cost a lot more, but someone willing to pay more because I'm new. Or, yeah. It's a difficult conversation to have. So I would say for people who aren't sure, who are new, um, charge at least minimum wage. Yeah. And add an extra 25%. Yeah. To account for research, meetings, travel to and from, even if it's just to and from the coffee shop to mm-hmm. where you're going to sit and do your work, even if it's just to and from your couch, that time needs to be billed. Sure. Yeah. What about revisions? Do you deal with that a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, if I'm doing, say, a flat rate special, so uh, I often run pet portrait specials yeah. where I'll say 50 bucks for a dog drawing. Those are built in with one revision. Good. If they want more than that, it's charged by the hour. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if they come back at me with a page long, like, I want everything different, <laughs> um, they're going to have to pay the flat rate if they want what they want. Yeah. They get one, re- if, they, if they want what they get, I mean, they get one revision, a little tweak, like, oh, oh you know, the dog's eyes really are more of a blue than a gray. Then, right. Cool. That's fine. They get that, send it back. That's it. Uh, but after that, they do get charged. Okay. And I, I, it's something that we should be taking more seriously as well. Absolutely. I, I go, I struggle with that a lot in my career. Yeah. Um, and I've been firm at times and then gotten pushed back and then given in. There are times that I'm like, well, I guess we're going to have to, you know, walk away. Actually, do you have a kill fee or do you even, do you, have you ever looked at the kill fee thing? You know what a kill fee is? No, I don't. So a kill fee is basically when you and the client, you just can't seem to, to come to a conclusion as to how this thing's going to work out. So there's a fee they pay to cut the work off. Oh, no, I have yeah. never been to that point. Okay. I have walked off of projects and I have uh, had can- projects canceled under me, okay. out from under me, but I've never had to do a kill fee before. Okay. Yeah. And do you believe in um, the, a deposit before work starts? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If I'm doing a flat rate special, like yeah. a $50 thing, I usually ask for the money up front. Okay, cool. For something small like that. Otherwise, especially if it's a larger project, say anything over $500, yeah. they pay a minimum 50% up front. Yeah. Um, and then I'll deliver them 50% of the project. If they're happy with it, they give me the other 50% or they give me okay uh, with terms that they'll pay on the date of completion. Sweet. And that is, again, something I had to learn the hard way. It's really hard to get people to pay up front, especially if you're not very well known, because how are they supposed to trust you? And you can feel bad if, you know, as soon as somebody pays me, I do have a tendency to feel guilty if I'm not working fast enough because, like, (laughs) they've given me the money at that point. But then again, if you do put all the work in and then they're like, oh, I completely forgot about that. I don't have the money for it anymore. It's way worse for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and... uh... Mr. R. Pays Me himself has definitely failed. Yeah, (laughs) we've all done that one. Yeah. Yeah, clients have gotten away. Um, Yeah. Man, I love this stuff. Okay, cool. Liz, thank you very much for coming on to R. Pays Me. me. This has been a a pleasure. Yes, indeed. So, how do people get in touch with you if they want to work with you or just follow you or whatever the case may be 
Well, fortunately, I was able to nab Lizmac Draws as my social media handle for everything because Lizmac was taken. Lizmac is actually a surface pattern designer down in Australia. Oh. But she has the world's worst logo. So if anybody knows her and can like get her in touch with me and like hit me up so I can fix it because I hate people going and searching for Lizmac and getting her terrible logo. <laughs> Her stuff is amazing. I love it. Worst logo I've ever seen. So you'll find me at Liz MacDraws, D-R-A-W-S, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. My website is also LizMacDraws.com, and you can email me at Liz at LizMacDraws.com. All right. You heard it here. And shout out to Gaynette, because that was Gaynette's advice in the other episode that she was on. You got to have your same name everywhere you are on the internet, folks. Thanks again, Liz. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pavement Podcast. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at ArtPaysMe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.